So again, I want to thank everybody for coming. And I'm going to open up with a covering prayer or whatever over everyone and over the whole place. So Jesus, we just we thank you that you are Lord and Savior. We thank you that you are the you are the one that we're here to encounter. And I thank you that we're allowed to encounter each other throughout this process. I thank you, Father, that you have brought us to a casino. I thank you, God, that the power of the Spirit is just going to continue to flow throughout the building. I thank you, Papa, that you are the one who's doing the ministry, that you are the one who's touching each and every single one of us. And we want to lay those seeds of faith into the ground right now. I ask angels that you are going to do exactly what you've been uh, assigned to do, which is to clear out a, a path and a way for the Lord God Almighty to come in to speak to us and to mentor us. I thank you, Jesus, that again, we can totally trust you and rely on you. We recognize that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And I pray that this weekend, we are going to enter in through the way, we're going to learn the truth, and we're going to apply it to life because you're the one who gives us life and so with each word i pray life will come up and death will be set aside i want to pray just this cleansing prayer over the room and over each one of us father for anything any kind of baggage we may have brought in we just cancel the assignments to get us distracted or or to lead us down wrong paths we want to enter in through the one gate jesus and so right now father just through faith we come into your presence through Jesus, and I say thank you. Thank you, God, for everything you've done. I thank you, Spirit, that you are already and have been working at teaching us and guiding us and drawing us closer together and allowing our hearts to just become one with yours. Amen. Sweetness. Well, Jen kind of figured I wouldn't use the chair. She's probably right. Um, so, if you just take your notes... Uh, basically what I'll do is I'll go through the notes and uh, I'll deviate as little as humanly possible for me um, so I might not get to much of the notes the goal of this course is to give each student an introduction into the ancient and modern view of the mystical practice of Christian meditation so already there I want to stop and say if you're already getting hung up with the word mystical I totally get it um, I'm actually like I'm just going to go along and I'll, you'll learn more and more about me as we go along um, even though I'm mystical I actually doubt almost everything so my the way I come about my Christian walk is um, I did not believe in anything Holy Spirit whatsoever ever and he just kind of started slapping me and we went along a journey and I'll tell you about that tomorrow night but this whole idea of things being mystical or us being mystical um, if you're not there and you don't believe that that's totally okay I, I didn't either and hence the course <laughs> okay so if you do feel like you're getting some hang-ups just put a check mark beside the thing that uh, you believe is a hang-up for yourself um, and maybe we can address it either you know throughout the course or privately and we can go from there is that cool all right, awesome. See, now your voices are online. This goal will be accomplished through a series of lectures, practical group exercises, as well as individual activities and through guided meditation. 
This course is intended to be a starting platform for a much deeper relationship with the Father through the introduction of the teaching of the mystical union we have with Jesus Christ via revelation that is brought to us through the revealer of all truth, which is the Holy Spirit. With the Bible as our absolute plumb line, we will engage in some of the ancient biblical practices known as are known to the saints, some of the saints being Enoch, Elijah, Elisha, Daniel, David, Moses, Peter, John, Paul. Who else? One key factor, one key name I didn't put in the notes. Do you know who else practiced what we're going to what we're entering into? Jesus, thank you. He practiced everything I'm going to be sharing. Everything. Okay? And that's why this is so important. You know, as we are being transformed into likeness of Christ uh, in glory, and, and it's actually Holy Spirit doing the transformation, we're allowed to partner together with Him by doing the things that Jesus did. And I'm not talking about, like, I am, but I'm not, talking about feeding the 5,000. I'm talking about getting alone with God, getting alone with the Father, having that intimate relationship. It's about the intimacy with the Father. Even for Jesus. Jesus didn't get alone with himself to be with himself. Yes, he did, but that's for another time. <laughs> okay. It was primarily, I want to see what my father's doing. I want to hear what my father's saying. I want to be about my father's business. That's what his life was about. And so this is a call a little bit higher. We just want to go a little bit higher than we currently are so that even t tonight will be more about our father's business. I love that, actually. I could just probably soak in that for all night. <laughs> we will explore a variety of teachings and ideas presented to us by many saints from throughout the ages and from around the world. It is my starting assumption as the facilitator of this introductory course that each participant is a believer in Jesus Christ. Having accepted him as their personal Lord and Savior, that each participant has a hunger for a deeper sense of the full indwelling of the Holy Spirit and that we all agree that each person has their own journey into the mysteries of God and that this is just one teaching of many. Every single one of us actually has a part to play in this story this weekend. Each of us. Okay, we're all super significant. I'm definitely nowhere, uh, not more significant than you and vice versa. I'm really hoping that as we engage each other in the natural and in the spirit, that we'll all learn from each other, including me. Okay, so we just grow together. Um, I just happen to be looking at the paper in front of you. Uh, where do I want to jump to? It is my start, starting assumption that each person listening to or attending this course is ready for mystical encounters and experiences. Um, I just want to stop there. What, are, what am I talking about as far as mystical encounters and experiences? Well, have you ever read the Bible and all of a sudden something just jumped out at you and just kind of moved you? Okay, that's the Spirit of God moving and, and it is a mystical encounter. He's engaging with your spirit and He's drawing your heart and He's drawing your affections and He's drawing your attention to certain things. That is a mystical encounter. It's really not some necessarily some big overarching thing where you're traveling all over the universe um, necessarily. Okay. Let's, we want to keep it simple. We want to keep it basic. We want, to, we want the world to know that God is accessible to them. And I want you to know that God is accessible to you. And hopefully, we will become more accessible to God. That's really important. Uh, that each student believes not, uh, 
that each student believes nothing the scripture reveals is to be withheld from us and is actually an invitation to way, way more. That each student understands, at least in part, that we are to live in the spirit and that we are to focus on things above and not on things on this earth. And so even there, as we're coming up with questions and questions I've had going through this process, I got to remember, God wants me focusing on things above, not on things on earth. Because he got, like the way things are done in heaven is not the way things are always done on earth. Would we all agree with that? Right, so what we want to do throughout this whole course is recognize that it's quite possible God is asking us to start thinking about something greater and bigger than us and our understanding. And so what I've had to do, and I'm going to ask you to do the same thing, is I've taken my personal philosophies and I've kind of left them at the door. I've taken my personal theologies and I've put them at the door. Why is that? It's because I don't want to encounter the study of God. I want to encounter God. Okay, and we each have our own theology our own understanding of God, our own perspective. But it's really great if we could just step through that for now, leave that sort of in the background. It's still a part of who you are, it's nothing scary, but let's encounter God the way he wants us to encounter him tonight. I don't know how I'm gonna read all this in an hour. I'll probably <laughs> skip a lot. As an end result of this course, Okay, I'm hoping that you walk away with some very practical exercises you can engage in on a daily basis that will facilitate you recognizing the presence of God all around you all the time. By no means will you be graded on what you have learned through this course, because um, really then it's just you grading me and I have no desire to be graded um, or degraded. <laughs> we are all on a journey and I welcome you to allow uh, I welcome you to allow your journey to intersect with my journey just for this short period of time. Okay? If we intersect at another time, that's great. He says, Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46, verse 10. After these three uh, sessions, the three courses or whatever, whatever session, yeah, let's say sessions, um, you should be fairly familiar with that passage because it's kind of the crux of what I'm getting at. And it's really the crux of what God is trying to get at. And so we'll talk about different things. We'll talk about um, all kinds of beautiful, fantastic things. What does the Father truly desire to communicate? Awesome question. I'm glad I wrote it down. What is it to be still? And how do we quiet ourselves down in multiple phases? It's not just you go, Whoo, there I am, unless you're somebody else. And then you can go, Whoo, there I am, right? But, but tonight we're not going to go, Whoo. Tonight we're going to start learning, one step at a time, how to quiet down the different parts of ourselves. Um, what practical things can we do in our day-to-day -day lives to live out of the stillness? And has there been anybody who's gone before us who has lived in stillness and without opening their mouths, they change other people's lives for the better? You know, we're, we're like, and is it possible for you? Like, I don't know if you're a non-verbal communicator or not. I'm definitely a verbal communicator. Um, but wouldn't it be amazing as a non-verbal communicator or even a verbal communicator to walk into a room, say nothing, and people just feel the presence of God around you? My friends, that is how it is supposed to be. Your presence coming into the room, so connected with Holy Spirit, so in touch with the love of the Father, you should not need to open your mouth. Okay? Because sometimes when we open our mouths, as I know 
firsthand, it actually can repulse people, right? It's true, it's true, I know. Trust me, I do know from personal experience. <laughs> this is gonna be an introduction to uh, people like Teresa of Avila, um, St. John of the Cross, Henry Nouwen, Richard Rohr, maybe Sidhu Sundar Singh, uh, and Basil Pennington. Um, just some of the sources that I've drawn from for the course. What is our working definition of the word no? And how do we come about this uh, knowledge that Papa wants us to experience? So I'll just flat out tell you right now, the presumption I'm making right now is that we are all gonna work with this definition of the word no. It's an experiential knowledge. It is not merely by reading something or hearing a preacher. It's about taking God's hand and having an encounter with him, having an experience, allowing him to move in your life. Okay, so this might be a radical change from what you're used to, but I mean, I recognize most of you uh, right now. We do have some people that are coming um, that may not yet be at this place where they recognize they can just take God's hand and walk straight into heaven, right into an encounter and just experience God. And I'm not talking about imagining things or whatever, but even just sitting there in the quiet of your home, your armchair plant there, sun coming in, baking you, you got coffee, tea, or juice, or whatever, and you're just sitting in the presence of God. I mean, that's what we're talking about. That, that's a, that is an experience that people can't really take away from you. Okay, so we're going for that. Um, I am God. Now, that's a question, actually. I'm not saying I'm God. Just for the recording's sake, I'm not saying I'm God. But that's one of the things. Like, who is God, really? What does he want to reveal to us through this practice of being still? What characteristics of God should we be expecting to encounter? Because be st he says, be still and know that I am God. What is he talking about? What's, like, how is this going to unfold in our lives? And what difference should it really make? Um, yeah, so here's a nice little quote that I'm going to skip because you have it in your notes. Okay. Whew. And 45 minutes in, we start session one. <laughs> so we'll zip through the next 20 pages in 15 minutes. <laughs> um, okay, so here, I'll, I'm just going to try to pick um, as we go along the things that I think are the most critical uh, for where we're going. Starting off with love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So we're going to come into a place um, throughout the weekend. I'll make you aware that your spirit is already engaged. I'll let you know that your soul is going to be thinking about all kinds of different things at the same time. That's totally fine. Allow your soul to... Um, do what it needs to do. I can, was communicating with my soul before we came here because it was just bouncing around trying to figure everything out. And, uh, and it was feeling like it was creating such a fast pulse inside my body. I began to sweat and I was like, okay, settle down, buddy. Just settle down. I am not at war with my soul. Some other people might be. I am not at war with my soul. My soul is a very important part of me. It's part of the trinity of who I am. And so I communicate to my soul like I would communicate to the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. They each have a voice. My spirit has a voice. My soul has a voice. My body has a voice. If you don't think your body has a voice, 
Has anybody ever experienced pain? <laughs> Your body's trying to tell you something. We just overworked a little bit today, buddy. Right? Does your soul have a voice? Well, have you ever felt worried? The body doesn't feel worried. It's, it's a tent. It's a shell. It's a container. It's an interface. There's all these different words, but your soul is really where there's a lot of engaging that's happening. So has anybody ever felt worried? Okay, that's your soul. Your soul has a voice. All right? Um, likely tomorrow night I'll get into... Um, how to communicate with your spirit, as, as in allow your spirit to have a voice um, in a very practical, easy to understand, easy to engage way. Is that okay? So we're good? Awesome. So, and then from there, we get to love our neighbors as ourselves. Right? I got to first love God with every ounce of my being, which I can't force to happen actually. And then from that place of love and oneness and unity within myself, I can now love my neighbor as I love myself. If I don't love myself in whole, how can I love you in whole? I'll only be able to love you in part. Right? And that's really not, not what God was, uh, or what Jesus was trying to say here. So, here we go. What does the Father truly desire to communicate? What is it that we believe our Father wants to say to us? Is there something specific he wants to see as a result of the communication with us? What about forms of communication? Does he use different forms of communication? All right, we would say, well, yeah, he definitely uses the word like, he, like people preach and he nails me every once in a while and I get, or I get encouraged. So that's one way. Um, sometimes I'm reading the word, like the Bible. And I, by the way, I, put it, I actually differentiate between the word and the Bible because the word is not the Bible. The Bible's from the word, okay? The word is Jesus. And so we want to differentiate there uh, for this course. What you do outside of this course, entirely up to you. What you do during the course, entirely up to you. I'm just making some recommendations. See? Serious. Not laughing. <laughs> okay. In an attempt to answer some of these questions, let's presuppose that we will not come to a definite, all-inclusive list that ends up limiting God or even ourselves. He can choose to speak to us in any form or fashion he chooses. He is not limited by time, space, or anything else, including my perceptions, okay? So I'm not going to give you a list that is, okay, these are the ways God communicates to us and nothing outside of this, okay? Like, there is no box, hopefully, that I'm going to present to you. Um, which is good, but I'm not either here to offend anybody. Outside of love, what could our Father have on His agenda? Have we not come to expect that our great and loving Papa desires to see us whole, restored to the place um, we once held in the heavenlies? The scriptures are full of God's thoughts towards us. And I'm not going to read them because they're like four pages. Okay, but you can kind of go in there, hopefully that make that homework for yourself um, but he's consistently talking to us he talks about how great we are he talks about how great he is he talks about the transformation process that he's bringing us through he's talking about um, hey like guess what everybody sinned you were detestable to me and and if if I would have just left things the way you were then what you deserved is judgment and blah 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 but I did something about it because I love you that's the story 
Okay, that's four pages. Now back, we can jump ahead. Good, because we're trying to get somewhere. So we want to put some meat on this thing. We want to do what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to practice something like God says all the stuff throughout the Bible, and then, and David has this beautiful psalm, which is him encountering God and talking back to him about how great and glorious this experience of being David is in the presence of God. And I'm really desiring that even tonight you will begin to see that having that interface, that you are a great and glorious being made in the image of Christ, in the image of God. He loves you with every ounce of who he is without fail. With that same thing, I want you to be able to encounter yourself and, and recognize, wow, like what a blessing it is to be me. And I don't mean that in a funny way or a stupid way, but it is a blessing to be you. Let me tell you why. I, I had this revelation a few months ago that we are, we are doorways, we are gateways um, that are meant to open up so that the King of Glory can come in. So what does that say? Well, what that says to me is, with each person being created in the image of God himself, every single one of us, yet we're all totally unique, 100%. We're our own thing. We are a door or a gateway that leads to God. And the only way I can experience that facet of God is by getting to know you and understanding you and just kind of like heart to heart stuff, right? Is we want to walk through each other's gates and, okay, and I'm going to limit it to just gentle, super first level stuff. Okay. We want to encounter God through each other. Okay, because the, I mean, I'm in love with God, but I can't like I can't experience him to the fullness without you. I need you so that I can experience him to a far greater level. Right? And you need me for the same reason. Because there's a facet of God that is only found through you, which makes God's plan of us being united pretty spectacular. Okay? Um, so anyways, that's the revelation I have on that, and uh, happy days. So if you turn to page 6, let's have a gander at Psalm 139, verses 1 to 18. This is David talking. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my laying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. And such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. 
Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. You are you for you created me. Sorry, for you created my inmost being. I want you to hang out out there just for a moment. Okay? For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I want you to ask the question right there. What is he knitting together? Okay? Because the fetus is growing from the inside out. It's expanding. Nothing's being attached to it. What's he knitting together? It's just kind of a cute little thing to think about. Just like, I don't know why I always got to push the envelope. <laughs> but I'm pushing the envelope. That's just, a, that's level two. We're trying to go stay at level one. <laughs> at any time, I'm leaving level one. Call me back. Because uh, it's been a while since I've been here. Um, and yet, not. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. He's had encounter. He's had experience. He knows his father's heart. Mm, I love it. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. You guys, that is intimacy. Okay? If at the end of my day, I can have a conversation with God, where clearly God isn't actually responding here in word, like in the written form, right? But there is something going on. I mean, like, I just want you to picture this for a moment. If you've ever, like, how many of you are parents? Grandparents, a whole bit, right? Or had nieces or nephews, and you have this interaction with them, and they're having this conversation with you, and they're telling you, how spectacular you are to them. How special they know that they are because of you. That you have nothing but good planned for them. How good would that feel? You're going to have an emotional response to this child. And I believe the same thing's happening when we have these encounters with God where we feel drawn to Him in exactly this way where we begin to, you know, some people would say like it's a life of thanksgiving, it's a life of this, it's a life of that. And I'm like, I don't care what you want to label it. I really hate labels, so I'm just going to call it this. I had a great talk with Dad today, and it was so... Oh. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes a grunt is better than a word. <laughs> or a, as I like to... <sighs> it's just like, baby, we're right there. I don't call God baby, but <laughs> <laughs> but I guess we could. We're kind of intimate, you know. He knows. I mean, anyways, whatever. That's okay. Stay on track, Mr. Haslam. What the? Show? Oh yeah. Just gonna have some water. It is water. Anybody can taste it. Go ahead. There's nothing being mixed in. Oh, but the air is getting thick up here. Come on, Lord. Come on. 
It is awesome. Amen. Tell you what else is awesome. Wikipedia. <laughs> and that brings us to the next page. <laughs> That's my segue. What, should, what, sh what then are we going to do about all this? Many different names have been given to the practice uh, of bringing fo focus to one's overall life throughout the millennia. Um, the idea of bringing clarity or stillness to one's soul is nearly as old as mankind. Um, you'll, uh, actually, it's anyways. It's as old as mankind. You'll find it in every major religion in the world and even in the secular uh, self-help arena. It's the concept of meditation. So this whole idea of con uh, meditation, I'm going to mix that word up a little bit with um, contempl contemplative spirituality. Uh, I really don't like big terms. Um, but we're going we're gonna to play around with that a little bit. And, and really what we're doing is um, I'll, I'll help you to be a little bit aware, hopefully if you're not already aware, that when we're doing this practice, that really what's going on is we're having a connection between the Father and us, the Spirit and us, Jesus and us, our spirit in us, our soul in us, our body in us. Okay? It's really not about anybody else. It totally isn't. Now, the byproduct of this particular practice, the byproduct of this oneness, is, of course, it will affect the people around you. Um, so, again, Wikipedia does a phenomenal job breaking down the word meditation uh, in secular terms, but we want to jump over... Um, to page eight. So again, I'd say they do a good a good job defining the general meaning and, and practice of the word meditation. However, we're going to work what we're going for is something deeper than a general definition. We're looking for oneness. We're looking for centering prayer. Like what what can we do? How can we step into something right now? Things are kind of stressful, or some do just you know ran in front of my vehicle, whatever. What can I do to just instantly change and be where I'm supposed to be? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? I'm a doer. You got to give me something to do. God knows that. He's made me that. And he's proud of the fact he's made me that way. Right? So I'm going to give you to-dos. <laughs> okay? Not because you're trying to earn favor or whatever, but every once in a while you need to be told, hey, it would be a good idea to brush your teeth. That's a to-do. Okay? It'd be a good idea to not overeat. Now, nobody told me that. But I'm learning, you know, as I'm getting older, I have to tell myself some things. Look in the mirror, prophesy to myself. Dude, you know from here on in, you don't have to eat so much food. <laughs> yeah. My body's like, yeah. My soul's like, yes, I do. <laughs> so we're still wrestling. That in that area, we're wrestling. But it's a loving wrestle, you know, kind of brotherly stuff. Nobody, nobody's really beating on each other. No laughing. Come on. <laughs> what are we doing? Let's hold it together. In Christianity, do we find a resurgence of the practice of Christian meditation in something called contemplative spirituality? It is that dimension of Christian experience that is discovered on the ancient paths of practicing the presence of God and developed in the midst of contemporary active lifestyles. There's always this, this resting match going on between meditating and getting out there and actually helping somebody. There's, the, there's, there's just been this battle going on for, for millennia, if you will, about, well, can your doer, how are you supposed to just sit there and, um, which I don't do, by the way. Uh, but 
there is that this there's that idea that 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 it has to be separate that our our spiritual walk our spiritual encounters um, this deep meditative state has to be separate you can't have both and I'm here to say balarkey it's meant to be both it's always meant to be both um, there's never supposed to have been division. Jesus is a perfect example. He's like, okay, so there's neither Jew nor Greek. Nor Jew. You know what I'm saying? Like he's breaking down barriers all the time. And this is just another one of those barriers. You're supposed to be able to have a truly meditative lifestyle and still be doing something. You should be able to do something while you're meditating. And that's where we're going, okay? So I want to demystify certain things, bring myst the mystic notion back into certain things. As we go along this road, here's a perfect, I love this passage. This is one of my favorite passages of all time. Jeremiah 6.16 says, stand at the crossroads and look. So we're making an assumption, there's a crossroad. And we need to look. Other people define it differently than I do or transliterate it or try to, you know, they do different things with this. I'm just going to take it literally. I'm going to get to a crossroad and I'm supposed to look around. What am I supposed to do here? Okay. So when I first had a vision of this, I came, to, I was on a road and then I hit a T. Okay, so there's a, I could either turn right or I could turn left. And so I did what this thing said. It says, ask for the ancient paths. So I was like, okay, Father, can I have the ancient paths? And not to get stuck there, I'm also supposed to ask, and where is the good way? And when we're asking where is the good way, what we're really doing is, Father, I thank you so much that you've presented multiple options here for me. That's great. I'm a person who likes to have options, but could you show me what's right for me? Not what's right for my sister, not what's right for my brother. What is right for me to walk in? Okay? And then it says, and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. Now, what happens if you go down your brother's path? Will you find rest? I can't say you won't find rest. You might, actually. But it's still not the right way. It's not the way that God had for you. It doesn't mean you won't enter rest, but you won't enter into what He had for you. Okay? Don't try to drag other people along your way, by the way. It's not necessarily meant for them. It's meant for you. What you can do is teach them the same process. Hey, when I got to this road, this is what happened. Da -da 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 -da. I asked God to show me different options. He showed me different options. And then I asked him, what's the way that you would like me to go down? What's the right way for me? What's a good path for me? That's what I'm doing here. The path that I've chosen to go down <laughs> is the path that he has shown me for me. It may not be the path that he's showing for you, but it may be. <laughs> okay. I'm not expecting you to come in after me and have the same kind of experiences or encounters or life that I have. Um, because that would be silly. I want you to have what's meant for you, okay? Where does this whole, I whole idea fit in with the different streams of Christianity? And there are multiple streams. That is a good question. Years ago, I heard a teaching on the, on the three mainline sects of Christianity. Anybody want to do some participating? What would be one stream of Christianity? Most of you are walking in it, so what do you think it is? It's also written on this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is there, I took the guessing out, you guys. I gave you the right answers. Okay. Okay, what was it? 
Right. Oh, this is a nice marker. Pentecostal slash charismatic. And so the focus of that is on the spirit. Just to sum it all up. It's not to say that God, the Father, isn't involved. It's not to say that Jesus isn't involved. But the primary focus is the things of the spirit. Just like this is a primary. Okay. Then I also learned what? What's another one? Evangelical. That's actually where I was coming out of. Evangelical. Evangelical. Right. And so the focus with that is Jesus as the word or doctrine. Okay. So where evangelicals in the circles that I was in had tremendous difficulty with Pentecostal slash charismatic if this ever came up in conversation was they don't know squat about doctrine. Okay. And that is just a blanket statement, which we want to just break down right now. In fact, Father, I just ask you right now, we just want to come and we want to repent for that kind of mindset that you have slated one way of doing things as more important than the other. And so, Father, I even confess where I have believed in the past um, that doctrine was a weak point of the Pentecostal slash charismatic movement. I just bless my brothers and sisters who I just happen to be a part of now. And I say, thank you, God, that you are amazing and that you're loving and that you do forgive. Okay, so there was another one that's more focused on social reform, social justice. Let's call that Catholicism and everything that kind of is birthed from that. So r right now we obviously recognize the Pentecostalism uh, and the evangelical move is born out of the Protestant movement, right? We're, would we agree with that yeah. for the most part? Good. And then we have the Catholics. Um, I was born Catholic, uh, walked away from Catholicism, not because I didn't like Catholicism. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand Christianity. I didn't understand anything. All I understood was one day I lied to, to my new girlfriend and I was like, oh, ew, I don't like that. She asked me if I was saved. I said yes, but I really had no idea what I was saying yes to. <laughs> she was crying. I didn't want her to cry. Being a problem solver, I just gave her the answer she needed to hear. But on the way home, I was like, ah. That just isn't resting well with me. But I don't know what to do about this. I don't know what to say about this. I don't even know what she's talking about. Um, nobody had ever talked to me about Jesus, even growing up in the Catholic Church. Um, like, I just didn't know. Okay, and so I just said these words, or something to, to this effect, on a gravel road called Twin Creek Road. Um, I just said, I don't know who you are. I don't know what I'm supposed to say or what I'm supposed to do, but I don't want to be a liar. So if you're real, please make whatever happened that I just said was real or said yes to. That's about as godly a prayer. <laughs> it's like that is the sinner's prayer. <laughs> and you know what? Next day, uh, this, this is a brilliant thing. Uh, you'll know more about me tomorrow night, way more about me tomorrow night. But uh, I had a totally God experience. Like, it was crazy because I'd been trying to stop swearing. I couldn't stop swearing. I grew up in a house where that was the norm. Um, but I, I didn't really like the way people would look at me when I was swearing all the time. And it didn't make me feel good. It didn't make me feel clean. Not that I felt dirty, but there was just something off. I didn't like it. I was trying really, really hard to quit. I couldn't quit. I say this thing to the air. 
which is exactly how it felt. It felt like I was just talking to the air. Um, and the next day, I noticed at the end of the day, I hadn't sworn once. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? <laughs> What's going on? And I noticed it while I was in bed. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the long and short of it. Um, so yeah, so there was these three, these three kind of Christian slants, if you will, but there was something still missing. Okay, so, so this is looking at social reform, social justice, well, social, society, okay? Really focus on society. And like each one of those is tremendously important. And then I met these crazy weird people. Like I was told, oh, I was invited to this place that was a, a uh, refurbished barn. And I was like, oh, cool, I'm kind of a, trying to be a hick. So, so I was like, okay, hey, what do we do? Well, I don't know, but they lay down on the carpet and they're singing or music or whatever and you can fall asleep and everything will feel better. So I was like, cool, I'm gonna try this. And uh, so that thing's called soaking. Um, the practice of just coming down before the Lord, resting, just laying there and having no, no real conversations, but just letting God minister and letting other people's minister over you while you're not saying anything. Uh, and that was my introduction to soaking and to ridiculous laughter that didn't make any sense to me at the time. Really hit religious wall when I heard all this laughing when I was supposed to be, this is a holy moment, right? Because I'm coming, you guys, like I'm coming out of here. I don't know squat about these guys, okay? Like seriously, no clue. And so this is one of my first encounters with these people. You people. <laughs> so, and I just didn't know what to do. You know, it was rough. It was a rough, rough go. Um, but that, that idea of soaking and just even... Um, I was going to Bible college, or I had gone to Bible college. They were like, journal. I'm like, journal. Like, are you serious? Do I look like a girl? <laughs> Sorry, no. I know. Totally sexist. Praise Jesus, I'm saved. And... Uh, <laughs> But that was my take on it, okay? I have come a long way. I've still got a ways to go, but I've come a long way. Um, yeah. I wish I hadn't have said that. <laughs> but I was sitting there in Bible calls, and I'm like, oh, what am I supposed to do here? And they didn't tell us. We just were expected to somehow know, okay? And I'm like, I've got nothing to write down. Like, what's going on? Um, and they weren't talking about, you know, being in tune with the flow of Father and Son and Spirit and, and like really going for it. They were just like, so read the scripture, what does this say to you? And, it would, and that's probably why it just didn't connect with me. There was no heart connection with this book. I wanted so bad for there to be this heart connection because my girlfriend had bought me this Bible, like now we were married. And, uh, and I was, I'd been reading it and the evangelical t- church told me that I should believe every single word in that book and I'm reading the book and I'm like, oh man, what is going on with these people? Because I don't have that. And neither do these people. <laughs> really? That's where I was coming from. And I'm like, what, what's going on? And so really what we get to is, is a fourth piece of a pie. Now, I'm not going to say that the pie is actually just four quadrants because I hate that limitation. I really do. Because when I was taught the three pieces of the pie, 
I walked into a fourth piece and I was like, oh, I thought that was it. And now, oh. So if I just leave my borders open in that regard, if I allow my theology to change and my perceptions to change and my understanding, my philosophy to grow and morph and, I mean, not, not be limited or not limit myself, then it's just a whole lot easier to deal with. But basically the fourth segment is the segment that's the more liturgical side, believes in the sacraments, like sacramental living, um, dying to self as in a live, living process of dying to self, and it's really called monasticism. So a lot of what we have today, let's say monasticism, gives us soaking, Okay, gives us contemplative prayer. You already have these notes. I've already typed this out. I don't know why I'm putting it on the board. Um, just probably because I have a marker. Um, where we're coming to in Christianity today, and really the draw on what you're pulling from today and this weekend, is for the most part born out of a practice that has been getting practice since the days of Adam. Adam. You heard me right, Adam. Okay? Now, monasticism wasn't born with Adam, other than he was kind of the only dude around for a long time. He was in a very solitary place. Okay? You can laugh, it's funny. He was the only human being on the planet that's kind of really secluded. <laughs> okay? And monasticism, for the most part, really, is to get back to that mindset, that heart place where Adam was walking in the cool of the day and having interaction with the Father. That's really what it's about. Okay, that's what I've learned. I've learned that it isn't just about um, weird practices. <laughs> I'm not, okay, just settle down in your head a little bit. I was going to say something that was part of a song once upon a time, and I'm like, that would be really inappropriate right now. So what I'm going to say is that my current growing understanding of the monastic movement wasn't so much to remove themselves from society because society was evil. It was the mindset that I need to remove myself from society because I am evil within it. And so I need to go get myself cleaned up so that I can come into society and be the living hope that everybody so desperately needs right now. That was the mindset of the original monastic movement. Okay, and so how did they do that? They really worked on that inner life, the inner life, the inner being. And for some of them, it took a tremendous amount of years. Some of them went kind of weird. But at the and, uh, you know what? I'm pretty sure there are some folks within the Pentecostal charismatic movement that kind of got weird. I know <laughs> that this. <laughs> kind of got weird, the evangelical side of things, where we suddenly thought, um, okay, so just so you know, there is no power anymore. It, it died when the thought kind of ended the book. Okay, we know Catholicism has had tremendous faults and failings along the way. There isn't one movement here, one part of God's body that is blameless. But each part has something so terribly integral to give to the rest of the body. And so that's where our focus is going to be within this movement, this talk on things. 
Okay, I'm flipping the page. Neither will they say, look here or look there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. You need, to, you need not look for the kingdom of God anywhere else, for he takes his proper place in your own heart. This is why we are encouraged to look deeper and to search our own hearts. That whole aspect of the inner life is born in a passage or a verse like this. Don't look over there. Don't look over there. Go in. You are not the end all and be all, but however you can walk through your door, you can walk through your gate, you can gaze on the face of the Father, you can have that precious encounter and really begin to understand who you are. You'll only know who you are as you begin to understand who He is because your real self, your real identity comes from Him. So obviously we want to turn inward as, as much as we can without an agenda. Okay, we want to try to limit our agendas. We just want to go in. We want to find peace. We want to find rest. We want to labor into His rest, which happens to be seated inside of you. Beautiful. You all know this, so we'll keep trucking along. Contemplative spirituality is rooted in monastic history, which, though having a checkered past, still carried authentic Christianity through difficult periods uh, to benefit today's church. And then I go on to just talk a little bit about different people within the movement that really stand out. Um, one of them being Anthony of, of the Desert. If you've never heard of this guy, it would be worth your while to check him out. He spent about 20 years in the desert in isolation, going from one thing to the next. He started off as a wealthy guy. Uh, his parents, his family died off, and he just kind of gave up everything he had. And, and he was like, man, I'm being so corrupted. I'm allowing myself to be so corrupted by this world, and it so desperately needs the love of God. What can I do about it? Because I just, I'm so weak, I give in to these things all of the time. What am I going to do about it? I'm not going to blame the world, I'm going to blame me in the world, so I'm just going to step out of the world for a little while. And I'm going to fight these demons. I am going to figure this out. I am going to go deep within, beyond anything that my brothers and sisters know anything about. And he spends about 20 years doing it. Being hungry, thirsty, going from cave to cave, homeless, on purpose. On purpose, sleepless nights, encountering psychological things that are coming at him, demonic things that are coming at him. And after 20 years, he comes back out into society and people go, something happened. Something happened. Because this guy suddenly was like Jesus. That's the comments that would go around town. Here's a man just like Jesus. He's so quiet. He's so peaceful. He's full of stillness. He's full of love. And it just radiated out of him and drew people in. That's who he was. That's who he became. I'd say that took some self-discipline. And relying a lot on the direction of God. I believe that just like Je when Jesus was led out into the desert, people like Anthony were led out into the desert. Every once in a while, you'll be, you'll be called out into a desert-type situation. Go, and don't come back until it's time. Just go. It doesn't make a difference what the world says right now. It doesn't make a difference what your friends and family are going to say right now. It really doesn't matter. If God is calling you to come somewhere with Him, leave it all and go. It's in your best interest and the best interest of absolutely everybody else. 
It really is. People might say, well, I've got children. I know, God's got that figured out. I just got to wait, God. Like, can we, you know, kind of have this discourse and just, like, let's just put our schedule side to side and see what really works. No, when he's calling you, go. And uh, hopefully throughout this course, you'll learn more and more how to be able to discern that voice over your own soul. Okay? Because there will be that. There will be that resting match where like, oh, life's kind of crappy. This will be a good time to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not what happened with Anthony. He had everything. And he gave it all up and went. Jesus encounters the wealthy, rich, young ruler. We know that story. We like to come down hard on this kid. What would you do in that situation? Because you're asked to do the exact same thing that this kid was asked to do. I wrestle with that all the time. Give everything you have away. Go on. Sell it. Give it all to the poor. Come follow me. Tough, tough, tough. Jesus calls us up to something more. He calls us into something deeper. He, keep, he calls us into a place where we need to rely on him for everything. And it's obvious when you have been relying on him for everything. Okay, it's beautiful and really sucks and hard, but beautiful. (laughs) It's a beautiful, difficult place. There's nothing easy about that process. It's not easy to make the decision. It's not easy to follow through. It's not easy to go into those times. It's not easy to leave those times because you're finally like you get these breakthroughs and you're like, I don't want to go back. But you're always meant to. Okay, so then anyways, there's a story of a couple of little stories about him and Teresa of Avila and uh, my fa- some of my favorite folks are in in here um, we'll keep jumping right along we're looking at page 10 it was actually through the Reformation and the Enlightenment periods between the 16th and 18th centuries that we see a dramatic decline in the contemplative mind We have the prevailing worship of reason, which we still are living in today, introduced into our regular thought processes. It was during this time period specifically that all these mystical things started becoming frowned upon and even demonized. Isn't that awesome? So happy. But it's a good day to be alive. Because we get to be part of the process of bringing this sucker back right and you know what reason has given us some good things you know processes that are good and how to live by a list it's really good for some people (laughs) works out great how to manage our time how to live responsibly right comes out of reason cleanliness all of these things like the importance of a healthy living lifestyle like it's all part of reason but at the same time man wouldn't it be great to just step right back into what adam was walking in and not have to eat Like, I'd give up reason for that. But it's with reason that I'm wrestling through how to get there. (laughs) Right? So it's kind of like, I don't know how much a lock reason has on me until I try to step into something through faith. Right? To me, this might not be for you because you're very likely much more spiritual than I am, much further along in your journey than I am. Um, but when I want to exercise faith, I'm like, okay, so how am I going to do this exactly? <laughs> right? Yeah. For everybody listening, I just bit my thumb and walked into the room. Um, 
it's it's this crazy weird wrestling match and i grew back and i'm like oh how do i do this right i enter by faith so i i start sounding crazy like maybe not to some people but <coughs> definitely to me half the time i'm like okay i'm exercising faith right now i step in and i step out i'm in him right now i'm not <laughs> and I just practice these things and say these things and try to engage in worship in a, in a myriad of different ways and try to exercise faith when I don't really know how because re my, my own sense of reasoning doesn't really let me go there, you know. But God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. Man, if you want to inherit everything, you've got to give everything up. What? <laughs> right? I'm not doing so well financially, God. Oh, great. Check your giving. A wise brother just shared that with me recently. It reminded me, check your giving. I was like, oh, are you for real right now? <laughs> it's, so, it's so backwards. And it's like, exactly. Release the things that have a hold on you and watch God move. Right? Release the things that God, that's got a hold of you, watch God move. It's a beautiful thing. In the 19th century, a Russian Eastern Orthodox priest, St. Seraphim, it's a really powerful name right there, began to bring back the teachings of contemplation, self-denial, and theoria, which you can kind of figure out through here, uh, back to the everyday person. It was no longer, he was like trying to bring it out of the darkness or out of the secret places in the, in the monastic world and bring it into the light so that everybody could participate and exercise in it, which is exactly what we're doing right here. Is we're gonna bring some things that are kind of been in the shadows, that we've been doing in the quote-unquote secret place and bring it out into light for the entire world to engage in. All right? He taught that the purpose of the Christian life was to acquire the Holy Spirit. Now, obviously, we recognize, praise Jesus, for this particular movement right here on the top of the list. We already have Holy Spirit. We're not trying to acquire something. Okay? But it doesn't change the fact that he really helped. He brought some powerful things back into the light. Um... And the world began to slowly hear it. And of course, for the most part, anybody who believed this got persecuted. Um, perhaps his most popular quotation amongst Orthodox believers is, acquire, this, acquire a peaceful spirit and thousands around you will be saved. I love that. The way I, I would interpret that now is labor into his rest. Live out of that place of rest and thousands around you will get saved. I love that because it's, it's, it just takes all the striving away. Everything is about relationship. Everything is about God. Everything is about the move of God through you. Let it happen. Let God move. The, what you, the way where you're supposed to move is from outside of Him into Him, into the recognition that you've always been in Him, and we move on from there. We get this powerful prayer. It's called the Jesus Prayer. Anybody ever heard of the Jesus Prayer? Yay. Good. Some people have, some people haven't. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Really powerful. Awesome. If you still believe you're a sinner. Okay. So that's great. Um, like It's a powerful prayer, and it's a really quick way to come back into something, uh, turn your affections back towards the Lord. A person uh, that more of us would know, read, like more readily know right now is a person named Heidi Baker. Uh, and she attests to praying a version of this prayer continually for hours every day. Um, I forgot the exact amount of hours, but it is insane. 
insane. She'd be mopping her floor, saying this prayer. Like over and over and over. She'd be snorkeling, saying this prayer. She'd be in ministry, saying this prayer. She'd be laying there trying to go to sleep, saying this prayer. Like it's a ridiculous, a ridiculous amount of times. And she said, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, Son of David, have mercy on me, your beloved. I love that. Have mercy on me, your beloved. Like we are connected. That's beautiful. That's just beautiful. There's just something about that. In the 20th century, we've had teachers such as Thomas Merton, who in essence reawakened the world to contemplative prayer. Thomas Merton was a monk. Um, anyways, we'll just just kind of keep going. He wrote really, some really amazing books. Then we have a guy named Henry Nowen, um, who takes, who basically what he does is, like, he's more of a, he's, his writing is much more accessible than Thomas Merton. Thomas Merton writes on very heady material. Uh, that's, it's, really intense and and the beauty of the way Henry Nowen writes it's almost more like a romantic notion between you and God like it's just really well written it's really full of relationship okay so we have all of those things in your notes this brings us to today with with the current resurgence of contemplative spirituality soaking prayer being the current renewal and application of that so how many of you have experienced soaking prayer a couple of you okay good so that's great because hey that's the tool you're going to walk away with tonight <laughs> okay you're going to be able to walk away with encountering god through soaking um it's really gentle it's a beautiful place it's i love to live there most of my revelations come from that place um another wording or some other wording you can use for it is just resting just staying in rest taking time aside to be in rest and live from that place Okay, good. All's going well. Everything good so far? Yep. Okay, I'm not reading too fast. I'm not skipping too many things. Good, no answers. I like that. Well, so what? I'm that guy. I'm the guy who says, Woo! Love all that writing. Great. Who cares? Like, it's just, oh, wow. It's beautiful. Can I, like, is there a way for me to apply this to my life? What is the application of this stuff? Who cares about these people who went before us, who did all kinds of crazy things and had weird hairdos and wore weird clothes and ate weird food and, and wrote all kinds of beautiful things according to other people? Who cares? Like, why are we learning about this? I'm that guy who asks those questions. Hopefully, you are as well, those kinds of people. What does this all mean and what life application can it possibly have? Should we relegate ourselves to lives that are focused merely on the internal expression of God? Because that's really what we've just talked about. All these writers are talking about this inward journey. Teresa Vavilla, one of my favorite authors, I absolutely love connecting with her. You can do without anything you want. And she talks about this inner castle. You know, layers upon layers. You just go in deeper and deeper and deeper um, into this tremendous journey with, like, figuring out who you are in God. It's just, it's a glorious thing. But it's all inward. And guess what? I'm meant to impact the world around me. I still have kids. I have two grandkids that came over today. And guess what? I didn't do any meditating. I didn't do any soaking. 
There was times <laughs> I wish I was okay. <laughs> it would have been of benefit to everybody if I had been living <laughs> if I had been living in rest at the moment. But I'm not there yet. I'm not. I am totally not there yet. I'm on this journey, and it is hard. It is a struggle. I totally feel with you. I'm I'm right there with you, like. Man, when I slam my, my, my thumb with a hammer, it's hard to not say, oh boy, does that ever hurt. You know, and just stay in rest. Ooh, yeah. And just let that be a gateway into an expression of the love of God. To, like, ooh, my body's talking to me. I can hear it. I can understand what it's saying. Oh, it's glorious. No, it hurts, man. <laughs> it hurts. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. It does hurt. But somehow we get to a place. There seems to be a promise in this journey where I can lay my life down onto some wooden beams and have nails pierce my wrists and my feet. And I can say with sincerity, Oh, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And therein lies a beautiful picture of hope to where this kind of a lifestyle is meant to lead us. It's meant to lead us into this. And that was the practical outworking of an inner, inner life. Oh, talk about gorgeous. Of course, you don't have to believe he said it while he was getting nailed. Maybe he said it when he was hanging on the cross in excruciating pain trying to suck air because he was suffocating. Could have been then. But I would like to think it was while he was getting nailed. For too long, the active and the contemplative dimensions of spirituality have been viewed in isolation from each other, distorting both sides. Both Jesus, or, but Jesus combined both in his own person. He was an activist. He was consistently doing th stuff. He was a man with a message on a mission. He was. And yet somehow he lived in a place of rest and he found, he made the time in our natural state to go and be alone with the Father. So that out of that relationship, out of that encounter, he could come back into the world that was screaming his name, pulling on his clothes, sticking their fingers at him and all these different things, expecting stuff from him. Man, like if you think your day is busy, Think about his. They brought people from everywhere for him to deal with them. Time or lack of time is no excuse, friends, for getting with God. It isn't. Even Jesus only had 96. You might write, this is awesome. Okay, I'm going to get your pens out. Every person has 96. 15-minute segments in a day. Everybody. Even Jesus. Like God actually made it this way. 96 15-minute segments. And you get to rule over that time. You get to decide who you give that authority to to rule over your time. With whatever you've given away, you still have some left. You get to decide what you're going to do with those remaining segments. You can choose, even when you're giving your time to a boss, you've got at least two of these in a day where it's your time. It's called coffee. You can do whatever you want with that time. 
what I'm trying to get to get you to do is recognize that you can still have coffee with 13 minutes and enter in with two minutes. I mean, maybe don't expect the exact same results, but there's no excuse, zero. There's zero, okay? Because we all bathe, we all go to the bathroom. There are times, there just are, there are times. Reclaim that time, reclaim it. We can see here that Jesus himself integrated these two seemingly vastly different approaches to life into one. As with all divine callings, contemplative spirituality originates with an impulse from God. You are here by God's design, not mine, not yours. Something triggered something in you to check it out. I say it's God. You can say whatever you want. And we can be in disagreement or we can be in agreement. Agreement works better. Could it be that we are to wait in the monastery of our own heart until we are endued with power and then from there we minister outwards? It is the connection, it is this connection to the divine essence of God within us that really begins to tune us into the indwelling presence of Holy Spirit. And from here we begin to move into the mystical union with Christ. Hmm. I love it. So you probably see some really bold letters now on your page. <laughs> we will now take a short break and come back for a time of question and answers. And then we'll just move straight into soaking and maybe uh, for some of you, I'll, like, I'll just explain what that's kind of going to look like, what it's going to sound like. Um, but it'll just be a nice little place of rest, and there should be very little uh, coming from up here to you. But from up there to you is fine. Is that cool? Yeah. I'm